listening to the Beef Bucks and B Frank show. And what can I say? Indiana is a top 10 football program. The country finally recognizes it, but they're not even the biggest winner of this week, if you can believe it. Um, I know coming from an unbiased source such as myself, you might be surprised by that revelation. But in terms of the big winner of last week in college football, you have to go a little further north within the state, which again, the state of Indiana has not lost a football game this year. But it is Notre Dame finally getting the monkey of sorts off their back, winning a huge game against a top five team, the number one team in the country, Clemson, in what was a double overtime thriller. Late comeback. I mean, th- this game was just missing the rain, basically, to have felt like the – I believe it was Stanford back when they made the run to the title game in 2012 or 13 uh, with the goal line stand. That It had all the feels of that it just from a, an atmosphere perspective, and that's with – I don't know, 10 or 15% of the entire stadium filled. I can only imagine what South Bend would have been like had this been normal time and not coronavirus because, man, oh, man, was that a hell of a game and a heck of a finish. Late touchdown, Ian Book drives him down the field to get a, get a late score on third and goal, under 30 seconds left. Clemson kneels out to go to overtime, say what you will about that, and then in the overtime period, the Notre Dame defense stepped up when they needed to and uh, we're, we're able to make the play. Yeah, so Notre Dame now the inside track to win a conference title and possibly their only season in a conference. But if you're Clemson, you have to be thrilled with how your quarterback played, who, again, mm-hmm. was not Trevor Lawrence. Um, but DJ went off over 400 yards passing against – We've said all year, like a a very good Notre Dame defense um, that has not looked as at times ineffective as Clemson was able to make them look. But Clemson is very much in the playoff picture. That is uh, part of the frustration for a lot of folks who don't root for Clemson or Alabama. Um, Those teams are never really out of it. And obviously that's the case. Clemson only dropped to fourth in the poll, but Bigger picture now for Notre Dame, you have to avoid a letdown this week against Boston College and certainly the rest of the way, but completely, unquestionably in control of their own destiny. Yeah, this is – I mean, they did exactly what they said they needed to. Of course, there were the people online, as we had said. This was a no-win situation for Notre Dame, even with a win, because people are going to be like, oh, well, they beat a backup quarterback and barely. It took double overtime to do it. It's – Okay, well, the kid's still through 400 yards. He's still pretty damn good. He would start at, I would guess, 90 to 95% of the programs in Division I football right at this moment. So big win for Notre Dame. Defense was superb. Travis Etienne bottled up and yet another costly fumble. Uh, scoop and score again, this time significantly less dramatic. It was not a 99-yard scoop and score. It was something like 30, but – they need to fix the run game, Clemson does. That, that is right now the biggest flaw. Obviously, getting a guy like Trevor Lawrence back helps that, but at the same time, uh, you've got to get ETN going if you want to have a chance to win in these big games. Yeah, and he's the type of guy, and with as much experience and talents as he has, that should be able to take a lot of the pressure off of a young quarterback making only a second collegiate start. Um, but if anything, it almost seemed like the roles were reversed a little bit because um, – You really couldn't tell for for most of the game who the freshman was. But, yeah, big win for Notre Dame. Clemson will have to, I mean, play perfectly the rest of the way. But, again, like, a lot will have to happen for them to – for me to really ever consider them completely out of the playoff picture. There's just too much, too much left up in the air at this point. And – too many arguments to be made of like, well, they only lost to Notre Dame and, and here we are again, you know, going through going through the same song and dance as before. It's it's benefit of the doubt season and um, somebody who was getting the benefit of the doubt because they only lost to Alabama, lost again to Florida, who is another big winner of the week, 
we said it would, it would depend on Florida's defense getting any steps. Georgia's defense could not get any stops. Kyle Trask, phenomenal once again. And once again, Stetson Bennett was not. That's it. I mean, Georgia has a quarterback problem. It's as simple as that. Dewan Mathis wasn't much better in his time on the field. Sets a minute, really couldn't do anything. And it, it's a shame, too, because Zamir White is having such a nice season. And I think it's going to get completely overshadowed by the fact that the offense outside of him really just cannot do anything. Um, offense, good offense beat good defense. And, and that's a huge credit to Dan Mullen in Florida because this was a team that almost seemed left for dead because they just looked so helpless defensively. And if anyone got a single stop against them when they were on offense, it seemed like the ball game was over. Defense certainly locked in. Definitely a confidence builder to slow down Georgia like this. Granted, Georgia's offense isn't very good. But in general, hold Georgia to 28 points. Offense able to get uh, 44, four touchdowns, 474 yards for Kyle Trask. Yet another monster game. And uh, Gators look to be like a dangerous team. Not, Not necessarily that they are you know, going to threaten, but they, they are a team that in the right circumstances could be incredibly dangerous. Think Oklahoma, but with a better defense. Yeah. I mean, they're threatening enough. They're uh, like, I want to believe in Florida from national perspective so badly. They are extremely fun. Like they have the misfortune of going after one of the most SEC teams ever in LSU last year. So we don't, truly appreciate kind of what we're seeing but I mean outside of some some great Alabama teams this is as fun an offense as we've seen with the exception of of course last year's LSU like they just put up yards and points like nobody's business and the defense has been weighing them down so severely like I want to look at you as a player in the national picture but you lost to Jimbo and A&M so that's like the big thing that's giving me pause and like, don't hold up the latest rankings at me. I know a and the top five team technically, but this is at uh, this, at this exact moment. Yes, you are correct. Yeah. This is where we're at. The kind of, kind of taking this back to last year, like no matter what, A&M will always be just ahead of IU and the AP poll. <laughs> It'll just trigger me to no end, but Anyway, um, I mean, Florida is still going to have plenty of opportunities for good wins the rest of the way. They've got Arkansas this week, who, as we've mentioned, is doing much, much better than anyone would have thought um, in year one under Sam Pittman. Um, but, yeah, they, they've got Kentucky still. They've got... Tennessee, and then they've got a game against Vanderbilt that they should win by about 60. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you get through this week, um, and there, there's, a, there's a couple challenging games remaining, but compared to what you've already gone through, it's, it's relatively smooth sailing. So right now they've got the inside track to play in the SEC title game, and then if you make it there, then that's, that's basically – a quarterfinal game for the playoff. So be very far away from, uh, from counting out Dan Mullen and the Gators. You're right. I, I did not, I had not seen the rest of the schedule. It is certainly favorable for them. And uh, I, they, I wouldn't necessarily say they control their own destiny, but to an extent they control their own destiny. They, I mean, they more or less do because again, if you win out, that means you'll play in the SEC title game and that presumes that you'll get a win over probably Alabama. So, mm-hmm. you, I mean, it's, it's not hard to, to make the playoff unless you're UCF. Like you just have to win every game. Right. No pressure. Unless you're UCF or maybe or, this year BYU or right. Coastal or somebody. We can talk about BYU though, because if you are, if, you, generally speaking, anyone out there is overlooking the Cougars as a player in the national picture. I don't know what you're watching. They did the same thing they've done pretty much every week this season, except they did it against a pretty damn good team in Boise State. It was still just an absolute blowout. Zach Wilson was great once again. 
um, just controlling the line of scrimmage flawlessly. And yeah, I mean, why not BYU? I agree. Why not BYU? Uh, I mean, they gave up three points until the fourth quarter. And uh, this game really was never close. They thoroughly dominated throughout. It was 45 to three before they gave up a touchdown with uh, nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. They look good on both sides of the ball. Like I, I think you and I talked about this last week. We're, we're kind of waiting for them to play a better team or, or higher qual- caliber team because they have not necessarily played the toughest. Navy was not much of a fight in week one because they hadn't hit anybody in about seven years. Troy, La Tech, UTSA, Texas State, Western Kentucky, all not not great football teams. Houston, also one of their first games of the year. So you can't really put too much stock into that. Boise State was by and far at this point the best team they've played this season. And it was a road game and they won it running away. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things like this is maybe their only team they're really going to face this season. And they passed with flying colors. Like basically right. every naysayer of BYU football is just kind of waiting for a slip up or any sort of cracks or vulnerabilities to show in this game on the road against a quality opponents. And it's just never did. So got to set your cap. And now the Zach Wilson hype is getting even bigger and even louder. Yeah. He's going to somehow end up on the bears. And oh yeah. Not be good at all. And Can't wait. Ty Dutmer 2.0. Um, We got to talk about the Hoosiers. <laughs> Do we? They are, they are in the top ten. So yep. the winners for, for for the loan first time since 1969. First win over Michigan since 1987, uh, snapping a 34 game losing streak. Actually, Indiana coming into the game the two longest losing streaks of one program to another program of them to Michigan and them to Ohio State. So. One has been snapped. Ohio State might actually be a good football team, so that could top. But in this game, like, I know it was kind of a weird twilight zone where Indiana was the higher-ranked team, but it is it was a game against a ranked opponent, and there were still times I got nervous, but it was, it was never really that impending sense of uh, – dread in the second half that uh you know made me feel like a comeback was eminent like Nick Sheridan called a wonderful game we talked about how Michigan's like backs and receivers are lacking and Indiana just from the get-go just split guys out wide go one-on-one throw the ball up and dare somebody to make a play and it didn't happen didn't matter if it was Miles Marshall if it was Ty Freifogel going up and getting it Penix threw the ball 50 times in this game, um, three touchdowns in the first half to really uh, take a lot of the pressure off Indiana. And then Indiana's defense came to play once again. Joe Milton looked very average. Michigan only ran for 13 yards as a team. Got me feeling good. It was – and this was the game you are kind of waiting for as an Indiana fan where the offense really clicks because we knew it was capable of so much more than we'd seen in the first two weeks. I mean, time of possession, 38 minutes, 50 seconds to 21-10. Dominance, absolute dominance. 28-17 in the first down category. Nine of 18 on third down, two of two on fourth down. Over 100 yards more offensively. 88-52 to in plays run. I mean, everything and anything Indiana wanted in this game, they seemingly got. And now, if you're Michigan – you need to take a good long look at Jim Harbaugh and say, how much more of this can we handle? If you're Indiana, you, you want to lock Tom Allen up for life at this point. Yeah. And I, I think he is different than like most coaches, I would say um, college football world in that like to him, Indiana is kind of a dream job since he's, you know, always been in the state and kind of wanting to come back home even as he uh, traveled around the country as a coordinator, but yeah, like it's a, it's tough for Jim Harbaugh because not only did you lose for most of the game, you weren't very competitive. Um, 
especially on defense, which again is supposed to be your strength. But again, like Nick Sheridan, first year as being a coordinator, 31 years old, completely outcoached Don Brown across the way. Um, so that, that's certainly encouraging. So that was one of the other big question marks was, you know, it's great that we have all this talent coming back offensively. Um, Panics for a full season, if we can get that out of them, can be awesome. But you lose Kalen DeBoer, who goes back to take the head coaching job, Fresno State. Sheridan and Hurd kind of take over off, and Grant Hurd take over offensive coordinator duties. Sheridan, first time play caller, he didn't really know how that would go. And you kind of saw it at times the first couple weeks. Uh, one of the areas that Indiana really struggled the first couple of weeks was on third down, where you mentioned in this game they were 50%, but coming in, I think they were just a combined 25% over the first two games. You're just not going to get it done if you want to just be a, a 500 football team, let alone someone who, you know, this year rightfully should be ranked in the top 10. Um, mm -hmm. and, and certainly as you start to play some of the bigger teams on your schedule, like in Ohio State, living in a couple of weeks, that's something you got to shore up. But they look great. Um, I mean, you said it's controlled the clock, controlled the game, um, and just threw the ball all over the yard. So I'm more than willing to sign up for more of that. And I can confirm there was a lot of hooting and hollering this weekend. That is for damn sure. That is true. Um, it's not, I mean, hey, at this rate, I will not see another win over Michigan until – I'm 60. Yeah. That's fun. That's fun math to do right so, there. It's take a minute while I can. Um, yeah, but those were pretty straightforward. We, we talked about four big ranked matchups this week. Thought it appropriate to lead off those winners were, were my biggest winners of the week. There or anybody else you wanted to shout out? Liberty is the best football team in the state of Virginia. I I'm going to pat myself on the back because I called it earlier, but they are the best football team in the state of Virginia. That's all you need to say. 38-35 over Vatek on the road. Best team in the state of Virginia, the Liberty Flames. Wow. So, yeah, that's three is more than the seven that Wake Forest beat Virginia Tech by. Correct. Um What was Liberty score against Virginia? Let's let's do some good radio here. They didn't play Virginia, obviously, but I want to look and see if they play them at all this year. They don't. They're at NC State, so there's another, I believe, mutual opponent. If you, if you really want to go down this rabbit hole, no, I don't really. Oh, Liberty UMass. That that I mean, Liberty Coastal. That's the game. Everybody. That's the game of the year. Yeah. Circle that one. I mean, that would be a uh, – I don't know what else is happening that week, but that would be fun on game day since, you know, like Coastal is a 1,000% a team that would never have another opportunity. So something to keep in mind, like uh, game day could have this past week in Bloomington, but it's okay. Not mad about it. No, I'm I'm actually not, um, and I'm I'm not mad about Big Noon Saturday because IU is locked in for that a uh, couple weeks from now against Ohio State. So, really hoping that means that the team is not looking ahead and takes a fat L to Telmucker this weekend because that would uh, that would not be pleasant. That would be wildly disappointing. Yeah. Um, all right. So, shout out. All those teams. Um, who was your big loser of the week? Can you go anywhere but Penn State? <laughs> like, I can't. James Franklin, 0-3. They weren't even close in this game against Maryland. And Maryland got dominated by now 3-0 North, Northwestern in week one, Big Ten week one, whatever week that was. I don't remember. Week eight? Um. They just – they are lost completely on both sides of the ball. Their front four is good. They've got – the linebacking play has not been great, but offense looks atrocious. Defense was porous this week, and there's just no life on that sideline. 
Maryland is just confounding. Is every year in week one, I feel like there's a game that we we see, and then at the end of the season, we look back and like that makes no sense. How did that happen? Like a couple <laughs> of years ago, it was North Carolina, South Carolina, week one played a super ugly game that South Carolina won. And then that was the only game that North Carolina lost all year. And South Carolina was appropriately bad as well. Like that makes no sense. Maryland losing in a blowout to Northwestern makes zero sense because Northwestern has not been blowing people out every week. No. And Maryland has looked at least offensively pretty good the last couple of weeks. Um, Penn State, yeah, it's a tough look. And it's kind of something that's been said about Harbaugh this year too. It's like, you know, if you're at one of these elite, you know, traditional football powerhouses and you kind of have an idea that your team might not be that good, like wouldn't have been the worst idea to like not really push for football to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, because you could have you could have just, you know, been a been a talking head on on every Zoom college football show lamenting about what could have been, but we'll never actually know. Now we know and like sure I'm a little frustrated that it takes away a little bit of the luster of Indiana winning week one, but I just, I just don't I don't know how you drop the ball against Maryland like this. Like so we we talked about this on the spread option especially is like this is your opportunity to remind people, hey, we're still Penn State. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we dropped two games to two top 10 teams the first two weeks. This is a game where we can flex our muscle and, and really show that we are still the program that people like to give us credit as being. Just didn't see that at all. Yeah, and since you brought it up, they were 27 and a half point favorites and lost by 16. Like almost doubled up in score. Um, it's just all around bad, bad, bad in Happy Valley. Yes, they are. They're unhappy right now. Correct. Um, that, I mean, that was my big loser. I didn't have too much else. Like we can pile on Michigan some more and I'm happy to do that. But, uh, how about Tennessee? Yeah. Arkansas is better than we thought. I will say, like, we said that already, and I agree. Tennessee played three quarterbacks, and they went 11 of 21 for 107 yards and two interceptions. Eric Gray carried the ball 31 times for 123 yards and a touchdown. He had 123 of the team's 292 total yards. Please, oh, please give the man some help. The defense still looks fine. Like, they're doing as much as they can for having an offense that just does not move the football, find a quarterback. There's got to be someone on that campus that can throw a football. Sign them up. It's unreal. Like, it's like halfway through that Georgia game, they just have gone completely lifeless on the offensive side. Um, I mean, they've three straight weeks now, they've failed to break the 17-point barrier. Um just getting that in a 31-point loss to Alabama. But, yeah, like, I can't say I'm too upset that uh, in terms of national relevancy, Indiana and Tennessee have been like ships passing in the night. But (laughs) Gator Bowl, I'll never forget. We will always have the Gator Bowl. Uh, But, yeah, this is is tough because it's – it it really was – like falling off a cliff because the quarterback play the first couple weeks of the season was nothing to like get up in arms about. It certainly helps when you're winning too, but those things are related. Um, and then it got comically bad against Kentucky as we remember. And then it just has not gotten right since. And, you know, you have to think it's a confidence issue, certainly. Um, but I, for this season, I don't really know where you go from here you maybe just try like with with what you have on the roster try a I mean you got to go all in this week if they can beat A&M oh yeah new I mean, life just, but just start I think if they get blown about. out it's like I don't know how you get how you get them back up to play the rest of the season this is it 
you don't. I mean, you you have to just start running Kentucky's offense from last season because mm-hmm. you have a game you have to win against Vanderbilt, and then it's A and M, it's Auburn, and it's Florida are three of your other last four games. Like that could very easily be three blowout losses if Tennessee continues to play the way that they've been playing. Um, so. Not great. Not great in Rocky Top. It's, it's been four losses in a row. It's a big-time risk of extending to six the next two weeks against a and and Auburn, and there do not seem to be any answers on the offensive side of the ball. That's, that's all I can say about Tennessee. It's upsetting. It's very difficult. Yeah. Um, Trying times. Yeah, I mean, another big winner, um, Kevin Sumlin, got out of week one without a loss. Yeah. Shout out, Corona. Uh, how about UCLA as a loser? Can't say I was surprised. Losing outright and giving up 48 points to Carl Durrell and the Colorado Buffalo in their first game of the season. Uh, nearly 2-1 to one in time of possession. 40 minutes to 20 minutes, 525 yards of offense, 92 plays is how many plays Colorado ran. Um, Just true, true dominance, four turnovers for UCLA. Outside of Dorian Thompson Robinson, no one else really did anything. He had 109 rushing yards, 303 passing yards. Um, The rest of the team had 66 rushing yards. This is Pac-12 football. This is uh, this is UCLA football. Well, what we were what we were talking about on the uh, like our, our Pac-12 preview is you know it's going to be a defensive oriented league. Um, yep. So it's it's refreshing that we can still have these types of games because yeah these are uh, Colorado is not a good football team neither is UCLA um, since they lost but Thompson Robinson putting up numbers and at least you know. Not not really doing a great job in terms of being efficient, but in terms of putting up numbers, got the job done. And UCLA's defense is once again not going to be interested in stopping anybody. Broussard for Colorado just absolutely went off. Um, if you if you can't stop Colorado, you're not going to have success against but anybody else. Like Arizona State, USC are just going to have a field day. Um, but yeah, like this is this is it for Chip Kelly. Like this was a game that you should have won to start the season against an inferior opponent, lose mm-hmm. confidence a little bit, um, kind of go from there. But now you're going to have to win some games against teams that are better than you. To, I mean, at this point, you would think keep his job. It doesn't look good. That's all. I'm, like no, he needs to make a run. I Pac-12 doesn't look great just from watching this weekend. Obviously, it's only week one for them, so there's still a lot to be sorted out. We didn't get to see Utah. We didn't get to see Washington or Cal. Um, I was not very impressed with USC. Arizona State looked fine. Washington State probably looked the best of anyone, and they played Oregon State, who is a very average team, I would say. So – I don't know how confident you could be if you're a UCLA fan or Chip Kelly, but the road does not get easier. They've got Utah at Oregon, and they get a, a little break with Kevin Sumlin's boys and then at Arizona State and USC. So certainly not the easiest schedule um, considering the league, but they, they have to find a way to finish with a winning record, I think, for Chip Kelly to keep his job. Yeah, there's just a lot in the middle in the Pac-12. And, and I mean, even stretching all the way to the bottom, it's it's all pretty even. So, like, they're not going to have to be going through, like, a gauntlet like the SEC West playing ranked teams every week. Um, it's just kind of a feeling out period of sorts because, you know, you, you have a game like USC, Arizona State, the presumptive two best teams in the Pac-12 South, even at the end of the day, can't really discern too much separation between them. Um, you know, Oregon got an easy win. 
we didn't see a lot of the other presumably good um, Pac-12 North teams play. But it's, it's hard to say really where a lot of these teams are going to fall. And, you know, maybe Colorado's a little better than we gave them credit for. I'm leaning towards UCLA is even worse than we thought they might be. Sounds about right. I mean, as has been tradition for Chip Kelly. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, just one year of him and Josh Rosen could have, could have been magical. Oh, wow. It's a, a big no thank you from me. <laughs> well, that, that's one of those things like I, which James Franklin cannot do this year. I can lament about what could have been and there is no evidence to prove me wrong. Fair. Um, yeah, I, again, like I was saying, it was, it was hard for me to, uh, to pick out losers this week. So I, I am out. I don't know if you have. That's all I had. I was going to say the Pac-12 North because two games didn't get played. Um, but yeah, a big winner again. Or I guess the Pac-12 in general. But yeah, um, those are, those were all the losers I had this week. Okay, um, and yeah, so there are no ranked matchups this week in college football. Did they? Uh, I feel like I missed a game day announcement, or did they just decide to take a week off? I have not seen it yet. Because uh, the the big game in terms of name is Bama LSU, but that's probably going to get canceled um, due to Corona. I don't know. Oh, they're at the Masters. That's right. Oh yeah, they're gonna be in Augusta. Well, that works out. I'd say uh, that's a pretty easy decision. No, mm -hmm. let's uh, just go to the Masters. That's dope. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just just looking at the matchups. It's hard to really get excited about much. I mean, I, I think A and M at Tennessee could be a big game. Florida, Arkansas, the same way. And then, weirdly enough, one of the best games of the week. Um, in, is going to be in the Big Ten, and it's not what you might have thought preseason in Wisconsin-Michigan. It's probably going to be Northwestern-Purdue in a battle of undefeated teams. Yeah. I would even throw Miami-Virginia Tech in there because I think – I still don't believe in Miami. Uh, that was just – I think Virginia Tech is still better than they've been playing. Yeah. Another game you look back on and – this wasn't a season opener, though, so it, it flies in the face of my theory a little bit. But Virginia Tech blowing out NC State despite missing, like, 20 guys yeah. just makes no sense at this point. But, yeah, I was uh, – it was very close last week, NC State, to uh, to finishing that off over Miami in uh, their, their mascot game. But, yeah, Virginia Tech, they could do it. They, they even had the, the great black jerseys, the funeral colors. Did not work. Oh, well. They, they covered at least. So they did. Maybe that was the ultimate goal. All right. Um, so, college basketball, we are just a couple weeks away from the start of the season. Still all kinds of scheduling. Questions and issues remain. But earlier we had the – AP Top 25 get released um, for the first time. Familiar faces at the top, kind of what we might have expected. Um, at the very top, Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova. Um, in some order, I think most people would agree those are the, the three best teams coming into the year. Mm -hmm. uh, Virginia and Iowa rounding out the top five. And then six through ten, some blue bloods and some uh, – some names we haven't seen in a while. Kansas, Wisconsin, Illinois at eight, and then Duke and Kentucky. So now it's starting to get a little bit real. Um, we, are, we are seeing numbers next to names. And what were, uh, what were some of your big, big takeaways, just the initial preseason rankings? It's a lot of Big Ten. A lot of Big Ten. 
Um, I think a lot of arguments online between Wisconsin, Illinois, and Iowa fans about who belongs where. There's a lot made of Iowa not playing defense and how that's going to affect them this year. Um, and a lot being made of, oh, well, if we just score 90 points a game, it shouldn't matter. Maybe. Maybe. We'll find out, I guess, but maybe. Um, Creighton was surprising at 11, just to see. They've, they've had two guys in the last week go down with ACL injuries. Not key players, but freshmen that were expected to make an impact. Uh, I would have to say that if Creighton, you know, Tyshawn Alexander doesn't go pro, Creighton's probably a top-10 team pushing out Kentucky and maybe moving ahead of teams like Duke, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Texas Tech, I thought, was a little low at 14. They actually went unranked in, what, one poll, which is beyond beyond me because basically everyone has gotten a waiver that has applied for one on Texas Tech, and they look to be loaded yet again. And uh, I think the bottom of the the poll is going to be interesting. 20, Oregon, 21, Florida State, 22, UCLA, 23, Ohio State, 24, Rucker, and 25, Michigan. I feel like Florida State is yet again underrated. It seems to be this way every single year, but Leonard Hamilton continues to do a great job there. Oregon's got so many good pieces. UCLA is going to be interesting because they finished the year so hot and they were young. No idea what to expect from Ohio State or Michigan, and Rucker brings back a ton but there aren't fans. So how will that affect them? Yeah. I mean, the, the big 10 is, is going to be very interesting to call. I think Ohio state's going to be um, better than kind of what a lot of people thinking right now. Um, Florida state, I, I don't think is unhappy about being a, a fringe top 28 team, like every preseason and then just overachieving like crazy. Um, that's, certainly better than, than the other way around. But back to one of the things you're talking about, and we'll, we'll get into this more, I'm sure, when we uh, do the conference previews. I am not convinced that Iowa, Wisconsin, or Illinois is going to win the league. And my biggest gripe specifically with Iowa is, yes, it would be nice if you could just score 90 points a night and win games that way. You're going to have bad shooting nights Mm-hmm. You are not randomly going to have a night where you play amazing defense. That's not how it works. True. So that's going to that's gonna be a, uh, a big Achilles heel that is going to flare up at inopportune times. Um, they're, still, they're still a good basketball team. I just struggle seeing them, you know, winning the Big Ten outright and making a deep NCAA tournament run. Of course, the challenging thing this preseason talking about any team is that we don't have, um, to bring up painful memories, we don't have a March Madness that happened several months ago that we can, you know, draw conclusions about the upcoming season from. Um, I mean, the the lasting memory from all of these teams is conference play. We're not going to have a lot of non-conference matchups this year anyway. There will be very few to to try to pick from and then it'll be a lot of you know just only conference play so from a national perspective comparing a lot of these teams over the course of the season like Gonzaga is going out and is playing everybody good which is awesome and I love that so much but for a lot of these teams it's going to be a little more challenging to try to kind of pick and choose and, and try to make comparisons actually determine who you know the the best five or ten teams in the country actually are now that'll that'll be a unique challenge this year extremely tough because I think most teams most power teams at least are going to have maybe six non conference games and then all of a sudden you're in the thick of league play and every game counts at that point so you you know a team like Kentucky who comes along slowly to start the year isn't going to have the Evansvilles to lose to at home and figure their shit out. So I, I wonder how it's going to work seeing teams like this or, or teams that start slow typically and, and really figure themselves out as the year goes on, how it's going to work because 
January comes around, you're already six leagues, league games deep, excuse me, in, in most of these power conferences. And at that point, season could be, could be well behind you because you just simply haven't played well yet. Um, you mentioned Gonzaga. Butler is another team. I'm not sorry, not Butler. Uh, Baylor is another team that's playing a very good schedule this season, really challenging themselves. So it's good to see some of these top teams go out there and just play games because that's what we need at this point in the college basketball season. Hopefully they all happen, but it's, it's just one of those things you need to see how many of these teams can do or what these teams can do. These perceived top teams can do against good teams early on because whoever gets punched in the mouth first, you need to see how they react. Another team that I forgot to mention Arizona state is going to have maybe the most fun backcourt in the entire country. So that'll be awesome to watch, but back to, back to the top, great scheduling for some of these teams. Then you look at Duke who's playing a lot of soft cupcake games and uh, you're, you're curious what the plan is there. Yeah. There, there's some teams that more or less just took their ball and went home. Um, and that is Duke all over, but yeah, it, it's one of the things we talked about with football. It's like you don't you don't get some of the, those warm-up games or buy games, whatever you want to call them. Um, and so teams like Oklahoma and Texas had to play better competition earlier in the year than they were maybe expecting, and they struggled mightily. They cost they essentially cost their conference a shot at um, a playoff berth, assuming – nothing too crazy happens the rest of the way, but yeah, it's uh, it will be a season unlike any other. That is, that is for sure. But again, as we, as we keep saying, as we always say, when talking about this college basketball season in particular, as long as there is a tournament at the end of it, that will determine a national champion. It'll be okay. Yeah, that's – please, <laughs> please. I can't do it again. I can't. I can't either. That is that is all too fair. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it for now. Um, we will – I mean, probably starting next week, we'll uh, be getting into the thick of our college basketball previews because that is uh, – pretty much on top of us the season like most teams haven't really even finished scheduling but the season's just gonna start and yep. we'll kind of go from there whatever happens happens it's kind of like how college football head games just popping up in the middle yeah. of the week like that that's where we're gonna be at but last point about the top 25 poll both of our teams receive votes so true. good for us it's true um yeah i don't know they're like like you said, there's a, there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten that'll be in the poll at any given time. It, it's like last year, there was a lot of uh, teams in like the 6 to 11, team, or 11 seed range if the tournament had started. Mm-hmm. They all got better in the offseason, so now they're going to be more ranked teams. And yeah, I, I think a lot of people are, are naturally going to overlook Seton Hall a little bit without a program defining player like Miles Powell, but there's still a lot of opportunity in the Big East, I would think, to uh to once again make some noise. Third place screaming our name yet again. It'd be. I mean you, you look at some of the other uh schools in the poll, you, you mentioned Creighton Villanova and then uh Providence getting some votes and a school you might have heard of known as Yukon getting some votes as well. Uh, interesting development welcome welcome to the league my first time um long time listener first time caller (laughs) so that is that is real college basketball which we very very fortunately will have an opportunity to talk about in depth weekly once again which we are both very excited about it is our favorite sport we are we love football, but ready to get back into basketball for sure. Um, but 
until then, we still have fake college basketball. Um, the Always. Heat Check Sim World, as we've mentioned, season four just kicked off. Um, and Seton Hall Pirates back in the top 15. Where we belong. We are uh, the champions of Myrtle Beach. We stormed the beaches of Myrtle and uh, came away 3-0, beating Grand Canyon, a, an early season favorite opponent of ours in both real life and the sim. Chattanooga in a, a hard-fought game and then beat up on Indiana. Double-digit win there to go 3-0, and get us a top 15 ranking, and why not land a top 10 recruit while we're at it? So it, it was probably – Probably the best sim results I've had yet, so it will almost automatically be coupled with a terrible result next time. So I'm ready to be hurt, but it was fun. It's it's a fun start. It's it would be hard to have a better cycle than that, like going undefeated, winning the tournament, and also getting a top ten recruit. Um, that's tough to do um, unless you like win the Natty. That would. Uh, That'd be pretty cool too. But that also would be fun. Yeah. You got the uh second rated international player. I got uh a We both went foreign. Yeah, a significantly worse international player. The the last two players I've brought into the fold have been foreign because I, I got the, the transfer from AM, but before that from Australia. And now I I picked up a uh a small forward from Germany and I like my connection was uh, was a little shaky on um, Sunday night when I was trying to close this out. And I, at one point, was winning, like, multiple top 100 recruits. And then I kept losing out to other people, kept having to go down. And then I finally got this guy away from Belmont at, I don't know, call it, well, Eastern time, like, 11:55, and then I refreshed refresh the page two minutes later and it was showing Belmont's again and I started breaking things in my apartment but it's not to be fortunately he's uh, there yeah it's not a, not a top 10 recruit though so it's not not that big of a deal but Georgia is coming this year um I as is tradition when I lose my exhibition game then I generally do well in the MT that follows. Um, got a runner-up finish in the Empire Classic. Hang the um, banner. A tough one to Duke in the title game by three, but beat Penn, beat Illinois by double digits, who should be a tournament team. And uh, the team looks solid. Got a uh, very good senior leading the way, a couple of good sophomores, and – my leading rebounder, which I love, is a freshman who is averaging less than one point per game. <laughs> He's there for one reason and one reason only. Boards. I mean, Dennis Rodman, knowing your role. Right. Get rebounds, nothing else. Board man gets paid. Just remember that. <laughs> That's what that was all about, yeah. Yep. Um, but, yeah, the, the biggest thing that's happening next as – you are not aware is now we have to play each other. America's favorite rivalry game. And I don't think I could be wrong, but I don't think a line has been released unless they updated it. But I would, I would have to think that being at home and being a ranked team, you would be favored. I am. Oh, they do have lines. I'm a two-point dog. Wow. The disrespect. Wow. Oh, God. I'm a road favorite against VCU and you. That'll end. (laughs) I guess I do have a very good roster, but... (sighs) I can't play the nobody believes in us card, and that really throws a wrench into everything. I've got I, I'm worried though because I've got Yale, who I'm a 10 point favorite against, and then San Jose State that I'm a 13 point favorite against leading up to the Georgia game. If I win the game against you, I'll be happy, but I, I feel like I can't win all three. I feel, I feel like that's where I'm at right now, coming off of this last sim. I feel like there's just no way. I'm not going to get that lucky. 
Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. If you if you beat me, it might come at the cost of losing one of those other games as uh potentially looking ahead. But I mean, yeah, I famous last words, but I I certainly don't think I can lose all three this cycle. We are 30 overall points better than San Jose State. And Thirty-four, better than Yale. So it's going to be devastating when I lose one or one or both of these games. Yeah, I, I'm really, really missing having the standings updated right now because I can't see everybody's SOR. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll keep that to myself. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's really it for right now. We uh, are just getting underway. We will see how long the Pirates can stay in the top 25. I'm certainly hoping to join them if I can get a, a strong showing in uh, this week. We've got the Duke team I just lost to is now three in the country. So, yeah, if I uh, – A two-in-one week with a lost us will get you there. Probably. Maybe even the loss to VCU, um, but definitely not with the loss to Southeast Missouri State. Definitely not. I would think. <laughs> well, we'll see how kind the voters are. I, I know uh, there's, 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 been, there's been some question um, from, uh, from people in the Discord about, you know, some of the, uh, the voters' rationale and uh, – kind of what goes into it. And I've always said I, I long support Eli and whatever voters he may employ or methodology he may employ in the, uh, the top 25 poll, so long as I'm included in the next one. Of course. Wanna... If I win. Uh, yeah. 3-0 week could put me to my highest ranking ever. So a lot to play for. What is your highest ranking ever? 14. Oh, was that uh That was my initial rank. Yep. Before North Florida? Yep. Ah. The North wow. Florida debacle. Thank you for reminding me Full and circle. everyone. Full circle. You uh you're back at the mountain. I, I think that means I'll I will win or one of the other teams you're playing will there's win. There's no way I'm gonna win. There's just, there's no way I'm going three and zero. Um yeah, wow. Okay, that's big. That is that is massive. All right, there's a lot at stake this week, um, in in real life and otherwise. But wow. All right, we will uh, we will probably have the results on Twitter sometime this week, whenever it comes out, um, provided B Frank wins. And yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've got. Got to look forward to a weekend full of Tom Mucker, and we will see you next time.